0: Good morning. morning, and welcome to Central Church of the Nazarene. It's so good to have you here today. Well, we're wrapping up our sermon series that we've called Get Off Your Seat, and we've taken this series really from the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, who, if you remember, got off his donkey, helped the, the victim of the violent crime, actually did something about it. Well, this week in the Bible, as we're wrapping up this series... I looked at all the occurrences when Jesus said stop, and all the occurrences when Jesus said go, like he told that lawyer at the end of the story, go and do likewise. And you'll be interested to know that Jesus frequently told people to stop. Uh, uh, The the, the first time Jesus told someone to stop was he was at the the home of Jairus. Jairus' daughter, 12-year-old daughter, was lying in a bed. She was cold. She was dead. Everyone was, was, was weeping because this poor 12 year old daughter had died. And the Bible says this meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning. And Jesus came in and said, Stop your wailing. She's not dead. She's asleep. he told those people to stop because he knew they didn't need to plan a funeral. No need to call the florist. No need to call the undertaker. This is, there's not going to be a funeral today. Stop your wailing, is what Jesus said. After Jesus had fed 5,000 people and walked on the water, the Bible says there were a group of Jews that weren't all that happy with Jesus. Uh, They they, they were upset at Jesus because he had the audacity to claim to be the bread of life. Basically, Jesus is, it was a messianic uh, message, and he was saying that he was the bread of life, that he was the nourishment for their souls, and some in the crowd didn't like it. Again, Jesus had fed them and, you know, 4,999 of their closest friends. He had just walked on water, which, you know, if you haven't tried walking on Lake Michigan lately, that's kind of hard to do unless you're the Messiah. But these people weren't happy that Jesus said, with his style, with his language, with the words that he used in saying, you know, that he was the bread of life. And they were upset. They were kind of mumbling about it and grumbling about it. And Jesus said, stop grumbling among yourselves. Can I tell you that? Jesus has never been a fan, God's never been a fan of grumbling. Remember the children of Israel wandered around for 40 years because of their grumbling, it's not a good look. People who are supposed to have joy unspeakable, have the joy of the Lord deep in their heart, you know, grumble, 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 you know, murmur, grumbling. It's never, it's never, it's never been, been a good look for us. I have no scientific proof of this, just an observation. But I think grumbling and complaining and murmuring among church folks has destroyed more church churches than, than, than the devil himself. Our enemy loves it, loves it. When people who claim to be following Jesus, you know, grumble, 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 grumble. I don't like the music. Blah, blah, blah. You know, did you see what the youth pastor is wearing? Grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, yeah, the sanctuary is too hot. The sanctuary is too cold. The sanctuary has a mouse in it. The sanctuary did have a mouse in it last week. <laughs> I think that little guy's in mousy heaven now, but... <laughs> He was running around. I was ready for people to start jumping up and keep thinking, you know, that they were, were blessed. And it wasn't, it was a mouse. Grumble, grumble, why'd you kill the mouse? Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I honestly, I think there'll be some folks that are surprised on Judgment Day because God hates grumbling and gossiping and, and murmuring and hurtful words. Just, just terrible. So Jesus said it, Stop grumbling. So he said to the people at Jerusalem, stop wailing. The blind guy, stop sinning. These people, stop, stop grumbling. In another, another encounter with those same persnickety group, they were upset at Jesus again. This time, in fact, they called him, him, him demon-possessed. So that was not an endearing term. And Jesus said to them, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Jesus has never been a fan of people who, who judge others, you know? Uh, Love one another, yes. Judge one another, uh, not so much. I'm not the judge, you're not the judge. God is the judge. Of, Of course, we need to discern truth. We need to know right from wrong. Of course, of course, of course. But Jesus is saying, don't judge. That's not your job. Don't do it. Stop it. And the last time Jesus tells someone to stop is after the resurrection. And after the resurrection, it's to old darling Thomas. Remember, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed up on that Easter night and, and so he didn't see Jesus like the other disciples saw Jesus. And Thomas said something along the lines of, you know, until I see his wound, stick my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. And you would have thought, you would have thought that, that, that Jesus would have showed up, right, the next day. Showed Thomas. But it wasn't the next day. It was a whole week. Jesus let, let, let Thomas stew for a whole week. You know, where all the other disciples saying, Thomas, seriously, man, we saw him. We saw him with our own eyes. We saw him. We know he's, a, Jesus is alive. If he's alive, why is not he showing up to me? I don't know, Thomas. Don't, we, saw, we saw him. We saw him. And finally, a week later, Jesus shows up and he tells Thomas, stop doubting and believe. The, the, the point is, sometimes I think we, we, need, we need to hear Jesus say those words. You know, after sometimes we've been doubting, we've been in a, in a pit for a while we need to hear Jesus say, stop doubting and believe. You know, a lot of people have doubts. and Maybe, maybe you do right now. Maybe you've been wrestling with some tough questions. You know, you, maybe you've been asking God, you know, why God, to, does it seem like your people get, you know, take it on the chin and people who are evil and rotten just kind of slide through life? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why am I suffering? Or why do I have all these tr- troubles? Or, or why, why did those things happen to me when I was a child? Tough questions and some of those answers we're not we're not gonna know until we get to heaven. Some of those things we won't we won't get it. But but I think there comes a point where our faith has to kick in. And we have to just hear Jesus say, Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe, Rob. Stop, stop doubting and believe, Gary. Stop doubting and believe, Susan. Stop just stop doubting. Believe. 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 So Jesus has been known to tell people to stop. Stop your wailing, I'm the author of life. Stop your sinning, I'm the savior of the world. Stop your grumbling, I'm the truth. Stop your judging, you're not the judge I am. Stop your doubting, I'm the resurrection and the life. But Jesus doesn't just say stop, he also says go. Again, in this message in, in the Good Samaritan to the lawyer, he said go, go and do likewise. But that's not the only time Jesus said that. Probably the most famous, the most familiar to us is those, his words to the disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28. We call it the Great Commission. When Jesus told those, those, those disciples there to go, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Go, go and make disciples. Go, go baptize folks. That's why we get so excited about baptisms. Our next baptism here is gonna be November 3rd. And so, so I mean, we get, that, that's what really gets us excited. Not, you know, not other things that maybe, you know, we don't get excited about this or that, but baptisms. Why? Because Jesus said, go and baptize, go and baptize, go and teach people, go, go, go. It shouldn't have been a shock to the disciples for, for Jesus to say that, because earlier in Matthew's gospel, he told them to, to go as well, that time to, to Israel. And in Matthew 10, he said, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Go, fellas, go, 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 go. That's not the only place Jesus said go. In fact, in Matthew chapter 8, three times Jesus tells different people to go. The first is in Matthew 8, 4. Jesus healed a guy from leprosy. And, and he tells him he says, go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. If folks had leprosy in the, in the first century uh, they, they, and, and, someone, and they were healed or they got better or whatever, they couldn't just go home and say, hey, I'm all better now, you know, I'm, I'm good. No, because it was such a contagious disease and, and such a stigma that went along with it. Leviticus chapter 13 gives all sorts of regulations on how to deal with someone that has leprosy. And so if, if, if you had been healed, the idea is you had to go to the priest to have him check you out. I'm so glad we don't live by that today because I don't want to see your skin diseases. I'll be honest with you. you know, Pastor, would you look at this, please? <laughs> I get enough of that sometimes in my hospital calls, but that's a whole other story, you know. Uh, 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 so that's just kind of gross, but that's what ha- they had to do. They had to go to the priest, have him check it out. He'd look at it. If he couldn't determine whether it was leprosy or not, they'd kind of quarantine the person for seven days, and then the priest would look at it again, and if it had spread, if it had spread, then sorry, you're unclean. And what that meant was you could not go to the worship, you could not go home, you had to shout out, you really were only around other lepers, you had to shout out unclean when everyone, anyone even came close to you. It was a horrible existence. And so Jesus heals this guy, and it tells him, go, 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 go back and, and let the, let the, let the priests check you out. The second place in Matthew 8 that Jesus says go is, is to the centurion when Jesus says, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. That's the story when the Roman centurion came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my servant is sick. Could you, could you heal him? And, and Jesus said, sure, let's go to your house. And the guy stops you and says, hey, Jesus, you don't need to go to my house. He said, said, I I lead men. I lead men all over. I say to jump, and they jump. I say to go, and they go. It's the same thing with you. If you say my servant is well, my servant will be well. Jesus was so impressed by that guy, Roman centurion. Jesus was so impressed by that guy. He had never seen anything like it, and and he said, go. Let it be done as you believed. And as as if there were any doubts, Matthew concludes that story by, by saying, and his servant was healed that very hour. Of course he was. Jesus is a great physician. He can do long distance healings, that's no problem. The third instance in Matthew eight of someone hearing Jesus say go is the shortest command. And that's when Jesus was on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee and he encounters two demon-possessed guys. And these demon-possessed guys approach Jesus, but really it's the demons who are talking, and it's not really a dialogue, because it's only the demons that are talking, and they say stuff like, you know, Jesus, uh, are you gonna torture us? Jesus, what do you want with us? Jesus, if you're gonna cast us out, send us into those pigs. And Jesus, you get the feeling in that story that Jesus does not want, he didn't wanna to talk to these demons. You know, he's sick of them. He's sick of how they've already tormented this, these, these two poor guys. And so Jesus simply says, ah, go. And of course, the, the demons went out the guys into the pigs, down the bank in the Sea of Galilee. No more piggies, kind of like our mouse. No more. And everybody was happy except the pig farmers. And, and that's 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 again, Jesus is saying, go, go, go to the priest. Go on home. You're serving as well. Go to the demons. You're done for. There are two instances in Luke chapter seven or in in, in Luke's gospel where Jesus says, go. The first is in Luke chapter seven. It's to a woman, a sinful woman, very, very notoriously sinful woman. She, uh, uh, everyone in town knew she was sinful. Everyone in town knew her reputation. You wouldn't let her watch your dog. She was sinful. And Jesus happened to be at the house of Simon the Pharisee, holy Simon the Pharisee, holy, holy, holy. And who shows up at this sinful lady, and we use that term loosely? She comes in and she is weeping. She's weeping at Jesus' feet. She dries Jesus' feet with her hair. She breaks open a, a jar of alabaster, pours it out on Jesus. And holy and smug Simon says, If Jesus was such a great prophet, he'd know what kind of woman. Is, 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 is touching him. I wouldn't let that lady touch me with a 10-foot pole. And Jesus says in so many words, she's doing what she's doing because of where she's been and where I brought her. She's doing what she's doing because she knows who she was and who she is. And Jesus turns to that lady and says those most wonderful words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go, dear lady. Go in peace. In the very next chapter, in Luke chapter eight, Jesus encounters another lady. She's also not had much peace, at least not had peace for, for 12 years. She's the lady who'd been suffering, remember her story, suffering from a bleeding disorder for 12 years. Just like the, just like the, the, the leper in, in Matthew, this, this, guy, this lady had been suffering, couldn't, was un, declared unclean, couldn't go home, had to be outside, couldn't go to worship, none of those things, and she heard that Jesus was coming to town. Maybe Jesus could help her. Maybe Jesus could heal her. Maybe Jesus, he's healed all these other people. Maybe she could also be healed. But she has a problem. She's declared unclean. She can't be around people. Around Jesus, there's going to be a huge crowd. What if somebody recognizes her? What if someone notices her as as being unclean? What if they, they call her out in the midst of the crowd? How is she ever going to get to Jesus? You can't get through a crowd without touching someone. On Friday night, we got the Gathers here. The place is going to be sold out. Try to go to the bathroom in the intermission. You're going to touch someone. They're all over. You know, there will be Gaither groupies hanging from the ceiling in this place. You can't move without touching them. That's what it was like for this lady. But she made a decision. I got to do it. What other choice do I have? I got to do it. And so she makes her way through the crowd and she sees Jesus. And, and, and as he's walking by, she lunges toward him and grabs his cloak. That's all she does. Grabs his cloak and boom, immediately she's healed. And Jesus stops. and the Bible tells us that she falls to the ground, she's trembling in fear. She doesn't know, doesn't know what's going to happen next. Is Jesus going to be mad at her for, for just grabbing her, grabbing his cloak? Is, 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 she, is, is he going to be mad at her for not asking to be healed, just just grabbing her cloak? Is, is, is Jesus gonna call her out because he, he'll know that she's been unclean for these 12 years and she's not supposed to be in a crowd but she is in a crowd and, and is he just gonna say, forget it lady, I healed you but that, I'm taking it back because you, you didn't follow the law. but The most amazing thing happens. In fact, it only happens here. This is the only place in the whole Bible that this happens. Jesus turns to her and says, daughter, Jesus never calls another woman daughter this is the only place daughter 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 your faith has healed you and like he told the lady in luke 7 go in peace be freed from your suffering go in peace you've suffered enough go 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 in peace when I read that story, I think, you know, this may have been the first time in 12 years that she had anyone address her in anything but a mean fashion. And Jesus looked at her and saw where she'd been and saw what she did and just said, go in peace. Maybe you need to hear that from the master today. Maybe you've had a lot of stuff going on in your life and you need to hear Jesus say, go, go in peace, just Go. Well, that's not the only place, person that Jesus says go to. Jesus also says go when John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, come to Jesus because John is having doubts. Like Thomas, John is having doubts. He's in prison. He's going to be executed soon. And so he sends his disciples to check out Jesus. Is, is, is he really the one? Is he really the Messiah? You know, what, what, what's really going on here? And those disciples come in Matthew 11 to Jesus, and, and Jesus says this to him: go back and report to john what you hear and what you see the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cleansed the deaf hear the dead raised good news is proclaimed to the poor you go back and tell john blind people are seeing lame people are walking lepers are hugging their families once again deaf people are hearing the birds sing in the morning dead people are breathing and good news is being proclaimed to the poor you go and tell john that you go boys just go you go and tell john that and of course they went and told the good news there's one place where Jesus says go and it's not good news. That's in Matthew 19. And you know, the, the ladies who heard Jesus say go in peace, they were happy. And, and those disciples of John, they were happy. The centurion, the leper, the, 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 the two formerly demon-possessed guys, they were happy when Jesus said go. But in Matthew 19, there's a guy that's not happy. Jesus says go and he's not happy. In fact, the Bible says he walks away sad. And you know him as, as by his title, the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus really with the same question that the lawyer came to Jesus with. You know, what do I have to do for eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's the law say? And he says, oh, man, I've been doing it. He doesn't push, push Jesus and ask what the, you know, who's his neighbor. He just says, oh, man, I've been doing it. I've been doing it. I, I've been keeping the law. I've been doing it. Cha-ching. And Jesus, who knew his heart, said, okay, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will receive treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the Bible says he couldn't do it. Why? Because he had great wealth. He was sad by that go command. My, my, my favorite go story, though, I think is in John 8. That's the time when, when a woman was caught in adultery, and you remember her story. As she was caught, the leaders, religious leaders, brought her through her at Jesus' feet, What should we do with this woman, Jesus? We caught her in the act. And Jesus, again, knew their hearts, knew what was going on. So go ahead and stone her. That's what the law says, go ahead and stone her. But whoever's without sin, why don't you be the first one to cast the stone? And you know how the story goes. The next thing that anyone heard was the drop, 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 drop of all the rocks. And Jesus looked around, and he says to the the, the lady, you know, where are all your accusers? They're gone. But then he doesn't just say, okay, that's awesome. I love you, and and I'm glad they're gone, and you're not going to be stoned today. That's not what he said. He said, go and sin no more. Go and leave the lifestyle that you've been doing. Go. You are free to go but don't go back to the same old patterns and the same old life. Go and sin no more. All right, right, there's one more ghost story that I gotta tell you. I wouldn't have told it to you, except Pastor John Gildner last Sunday night preached a great sermon. It was a masterpiece sermon, and and it was just awesome. And he used this story as one of his illustrations in his sermon, and it was a great, great, great story. It's from Acts chapter 9, when, and Saul's conversion. The apostle Paul, who was, had been Saul, his conversion story is in Acts chapter nine. And after he was converted, Jesus shows up to, to a disciple, a guy named Ananias. Well, let me read it for you. It's, it's, it goes like this. In Damascus, there's a man named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your... Lord, I know you know a lot of things about a lot of things, but this guy Saul, did you want me to go he 's a bad dude he 's a really bad dude don 't you have another Pharisee that I can go and pray over? not so not that guy. But the Lord answered Ananias and said, "Go, there it is. Go, go, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name to the Gentiles and show their kings and the people of Israel, and I will show him, how much he must suffer in my name. Then Ananias went to the house of Saul and entered it and placed his hands on Saul. And Ananias said, you murderer Saul, you guy who had a hand in James killing Saul, you dirty, rotten scoundrel Saul. I'm, I'm glad you're blind, Saul. It's not what he said. No one told him to say this. Brother Saul, you're part of the family now. Go, go, Ananias, go. Well, 1026, that's all my introduction to the Good Samaritan story. (laughs) Lawyer comes to Jesus, says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's the law say? Well, the law says, love God, love my neighbor. That's right, exactly right. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. Who exactly is my neighbor? All right, I'll play along with your game. Let me tell you a story. There's a dude who's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. You know how dangerous that road is from Jerusalem to Jericho. Well, he was walking down that way. No friends were around him, no weapon that he had to defend to, to off those people. He was just walking down and some bandits came and they robbed him, they stripped him, they, they left him half dead. A priest came by, you'd expect a priest to help, but he didn't. A Levite came by, you'd expect a Levite to help, but he didn't. But then, but then, but then a Samaritan came by. And the the Samaritan bound his wounds and and put him up on his donkey and took him to an inn. Do you know how dangerous that would have been for a Samaritan to take a, a wounded Jew on his donkey to an inn in a Jewish town? They would have said, listen, pal, how'd that guy get hurt? Oh, I found him that way. Oh, yeah, right. But he took him there. And not only did he take him there, he told the innkeeper, if there's any more, if there's any more expense, I'll pay for it. I'll be back. So you tell me, smarty pants lawyer, who's the neighbor? The priest, the levite, or the samaritan? Jesus, you put it in those terms, it's got to be it's got to be the one that showed mercy. Exactly right. Go and do likewise tell you all these stories today of Jesus saying stop and go because I believe that Jesus is here. We prayed about it earlier. And I believe that Jesus is speaking to you. And maybe he's telling you to stop. Maybe there's some things going on in your life that you need to hear the master say, stop what you're doing. Stop sinning. Stop grumbling. Stop wailing. Stop whatever. Stop. Just stop. Do that no longer. Stop. Or maybe, maybe the master's calling out to you and saying, go. Go to that neighbor that, that's just been hurting and you know they're hurting. Go to that fellow student who's being bullied at school. Go to that coworker who always seems to have a bad day. Go to them. Go to, go to that, that widow who's hurting. Go to that, young child who needs a father figure go 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 maybe he's saying maybe he's saying, next week is our mission outreach sunday lindal browning is going to be with us he's he spent 30 years in the middle east for crying out loud you don't think that was a little bit dangerous it may be that god will say to you go go i want you to i want you to go leave your family and friends and head off to the middle east because there's people there, believe it or not, there's people there that need the love of Jesus. Maybe he'll say, like he said to so many in our church lately, go, I've got some plans for you. I'm calling you into ministry, and I just want you to go. And folks like like Megan Cousins and Tiffany Fee and Roy Pruitt and Howie Rowe and Sarah Hurd and... and and Noah Adams, they've they've heard that and they've said, okay, don't know what that means exactly but okay, I'm going see, I just believe that the spirit of the living God is here and is speaking and it may be it may be him telling you, stop just stop what you're doing or it may be him saying, go I got great plans for you. Go, step out in faith and go. Lord, help us to hear from you and to obediently say, yes, Lord, yes. Wherever you want, wherever you have me, I'm gonna go and do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen.